Scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR, Radio 710, the talk of New York. And here is Gene Shepard. hysteria. You know what happens. This 20th century man, he's got to face these things here. Don't get excited here. Yeah, here we are. Now, yes, uh, here we are. Uh, all right, class. All right, here. Notebooks ready? Okay, class. Class, class. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, we uh, first of all, before we get started here, uh, we have a little thing I have to say here, preface this little show here tonight it says here uh, somebody wrote me this letter he says uh, Shepard you were asking questions about uh, no you're right you're right the, the show that uh, that uh, Henry Fonda was on was not the sheriff uh, it was called the deputy and I did the commercials on that thing that's right I'm sorry I stand corrected it was the deputy do you recall it uh, sponsored by who that's correct Robert Burns so uh, no, you wouldn't remember me on those commercials because I'm... See, I wear several hats. There are times when I do very official commercial voices and stuff, and you wouldn't even know it's me. No, that's true. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, that was... Uh, so we'll have to get this settled out here, out of court here. It says, somebody wrote in and said, uh, Do you recall a, uh, a kid's television show that had a bloodhound on the set as a pet? And the bloodhound had the, according to this writer, magnanimous name. I think he uses the word incorrectly. The magnanimous name of Corpuscle. A bloodhound named Corpuscle. <laughs> well, no, I do not recall that show. Now, I must say this. Either does anybody in the control room. Now, 
a dear uh, listener and spy, we have to give you some, uh, I have to lay the bad news on you, that there is a psychological aberration which has been noticed very strongly, especially among people in the urban areas of the eastern seaboard. An aberration uh, which has a long involved uh, Latin name, uh, videoanus, uh, is the final uh, word in it. What, it. what it actually says is a person in desperation creates his own television show in his head and ultimately begins to believe that such a television show is on. Quite often even looks for it in TV Guide and then gets mad when he finds that it's, it's not listed. He assumes they've canceled another good show and the only show that he actually always watched. And uh, it gets, you know, progressively bad. It really gets very difficult. As a matter of fact, certain uh, people have gotten so far into this that they'll often discuss the show with their other friends. With their friends. Uh, this is a highly contagious disease. And in its most advanced stages, uh, since it is contagious, uh, occasionally friends will begin to think they see the show too and often day after day they will discuss a television show which they both see in their mind but nobody else sees they are not aware of this uh, believing that uh, uh, believing that the other people are sitting around watching canon like all the slobs and here they are watching their own show now this is a very difficult problem so I would suggest that this dog named Corpuscle, is a figment of your own imagination. I don't think there was such a show. Do you, Jim? No, I agree. Thank you very much. Well, that answers that question. In other words, you're as nutty as a fruitcake, buddy. And I don't want to hear no more letters from you, right? We've got enough problems with cuckoo birds without that kind of letter. Uh, so uh, thank you very much. That answers the question. I think the audience there should give me a little cheer for answering that question so nicely. Thank you. Thank you all much. That's all right. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's enough. That's enough. Please, please. Now, I know that was a good and solid and scholarly answer, but uh, you don't have to get, you know, don't go ape over it, please. It's all right, because you may not be doing that. You may be booing like hell, because I may answer the next one, not to your satisfaction. Yes, uh, sir. Well, uh, we also got a letter here, which I'm going to uh, use later on in the show, which refers to something very specific that I think many of you have suffered yourself. Uh, before we go any further, uh, I have to do something else that I've been uh, threatening to do for a long time. You know, this this I got to do. So, so tune up your radio, please. Set your tape recorder. This could very well be a straw in the wind classic. Uh, you realize that for years on our show we've uh, given you straws in the wind, you know, true straws in the wind, as opposed to, uh, say, the president or, or the secretary of state or somebody giving a speech about the, about the economy. It uh, never turns out to be that way. It's, you know, you just keep flubbing along. Uh, I, I wish some statesman would once come out and really say it. You know, we're, we're going to flub along like we always flubbed along. And uh, it don't matter nothing. Uh, they'll give or take some, you lose some, you win some, but it don't matter in the end. We're just going to flub along, and that's my uh, campaign there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm willing to buy that because that's what happens. And it's not the politician's fault because nobody secretly wants anything done anyway. They really don't. No, no, I'm serious. I, I think nobody, when, it, when all is said and done, we have two parts in our mind. One part is the great idealistic part, and the other part is the you, see? So uh, what happens is, uh, you, you hear a, a mayor, see, or a president. Let's just take a mayor, a mayor, uh, a guy that's running for, for, the, for the mayoralty office of any city, see. 
And now would you please give me a little echo chamber? He is now speaking uh, before the electorate, and he says, My fellow citizens of East Gumpox, Ohio, all of you have been aware that my opponent has made certain scurrilous remarks in this unfortunate campaign. I have told you time and time again I am not going to resort to any sort of mudslinging or character assassination, but my opponent has seen fit to take this campaign down to the level of the gutter, which is what he has done consistently in the past to anyone who's had the temerity to run against his ridiculous, silly, fit and crime-ridden administration, a man that is notoriously a heavy drinker and a wife-beater, a man who notoriously is a liar and a skunk, the man who has said time and time again that he has befuddled the voters and yet has continued in office, this man dares to bring character assassination into this campaign. Well, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to justify his character assassination by making any personal remarks about such an obvious skunk as that person is. Now. I am running on the issues, and the one issue that I say that all of us are concerned about is the rising taxes which have caused this town to become known as Tax City USA. We pay taxes today on our taxes. And why is this? It is because of wasteful government spending. They're spending money like water down there at the city hall. And I say, stop those money gaps. Stop the leaks in our budget. I say an efficient campaign could be run at one-third the price of today's cost of campaigning. And I also say this. It is costing us over $722 billion a year to run our city government. I can reduce this and run this city government on less than $400,000 a year, a reduction in over 6,900%. And I have the figures right here to prove it. Now you vote for me and you're voting for economical city government. I say taxes, we have enough. I say taxes, oh, no more taxes. And I want to hear it for no more taxes. No more taxes. And I say we're going to cut down to the bone all the political spending. Okay, very good. Now, you see now, how many times have you heard that? Okay. <laughs> all right, now. Here's the poor mayor. He's going to do it. See, now he gets elected. 28 billion guys vote for him. See, everybody loves that idea. Oh, wow. You know, it's fantastic. He's going to, going to cut down the economy. We're not going to have a raise in taxes. And then two weeks after he gets into office, the following speech is heard then. He gets up on the platform, and he has just addressed the city council, and now he's doing a, a speech to the public. He is now uh, giving his state of the, uh, the economy speech. And he comes out and he says, Fellow citizens of this town, this city, this great center of American culture, we have completed the first steps in our budget, which I have promised you in my campaign that I would reduce spending in this office and in the administration by over 3,000%, and you have given me an overwhelming mandate to do just exactly that. 
We have proceeded now with the budget edit. Two weeks of night and day work. We have come up with the final budget. We are cutting out over $17,000 a week in that boondoggle known as the school system. Do you realize that our school has substitute teachers for the substitutes? And not only that, the school teachers in this town are collecting money on all sorts of projects. For example, we have right here one biology teacher who received a grant in aid from the city hall of the previous administration of $1,000 to discover why the Rose Garden back at a school was troubled with aphids, and it was listed as a scientific project. All they had to do was spray it with some stuff that you can get at any Woolworth store, and that would take care of the aphids, but what do we do? We spent $1,000, all right? We are cutting that sort of thing out. We are laying over 132 teachers. We are laying off, uh, we have here, according to this list, we are laying off 429 policemen here in town. We are going to cut down on garbage deliveries. Do you realize that we have 17 garbage pickups in one day in this town? Why, most people don't even have time to peel an orange when the garbage man shows up again. And he stands outside the window waiting for you to throw the orange peeling out there. Why? Because that boondoggle administration which previously occupied this office put all kinds of political pressure into being and hired over 745 garbage men that were all cousins, uncles, nephews, and nieces of the various people in the political power that was in power at that time. So we have cut back to a reasonable level. Fifteen minutes after the mayor makes that speech, everybody in town is out in front of the city hall picketing, demanding... <laughs> <laughs> we don't want anything done, friends. Why don't we admit it? Let's face it. This is WOR New York. I mean, we don't want anything done. If we do, I'll tell you what we do. We do want something done. But we want it done to the other guys. It's about time we realized. <laughs> Unfortunately, the other guys are also organized. And so it goes round and round. Would you please hit the button? If you had a chance to build a substantial retirement estate and realize major tax advantages, wouldn't you welcome some expert help with the initial planning? Here's important news from the East New York Savings Bank. The new individual retirement account is now available to wage earners not covered by pension plans. And East New York has set up a special advisory service to help you take full advantage of this opportunity. You'll learn which savings account is most beneficial for IRA deposits. You'll better understand the key tax provisions. You'll find out how to arrange the most advantageous withdrawal of your IRA funds. Contact our Pension Specialist Service. Call area code 212-354-0508. That's 212-354-0508. An East New York representative will arrange a free personal planning session at the most convenient office. That's the individual approach to the individual retirement account. The East New York Savings Bank, member FDIC. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, let's see. And if you have any money left over after that, we'd like to suggest that uh, you visit the best uh, 
the best chili made in town. Uh, we, we've talked about this before. By the way, I'm a great chili fan. I love chili. Do you, Jim? Anybody with blood in them does. Do you like uh, tacos, enchiladas? Well, uh, one of the best. Uh, <laughs> you've never had them? <laughs> That's right. You're from Jersey, aren't you? The home of the pizza. But uh, if you've never tried really good Mexican food, you know a lot of people have had the bad stuff. And uh, they uh, they don't know what good Mexican food really tastes like in New York. However, if you'd like to try some really good Mexican food, and I can personally uh, attest to this, it's the Alamo, which is a legend among people here in town. That is guys that work in Midtown. It's one of those places that guys sneak in uh, when they're really going to enjoy lunch, you know. And, and go down to the Alamo, which is at 142 West 44th Street. It's right off of Times Square. No problem at all. It's the Alamo Chili House, and uh, they make chili there the way chili should be made. In other words, there's about 17 degrees of hotness of chili. Most people uh, think chili's too hot, actually. But to me, uh, a good chili should make your nose sweat. <laughs> I mean, that's right. That's a, that's a test of it. And uh, they have all, all uh, kinds of great Mexican food, chili con carne. Uh, they have uh, tamales. You ever had a good uh, good chicken tamale? You don't know what a good chicken tamale tastes like? Uh, you know what an enchilada is? You don't? You mean you don't know what these things are? That's amazing. No, no, I'm surprised because throughout most of the Southwest in America, uh, the Southwest, uh, throughout uh, Southern California, up through... Uh, all the way through Missouri, for example, all the way as far east as the Mississippi, these foods I'm talking about are as common as hot dogs. And it's surprising to come out to the east here and find somebody who doesn't know what an enchilada is. That's amazing. That's You know, it's really, it's roughly like if I if I went to, say, someplace in Utah and I said, do you know what a pizza is? And they said, no, I don't know what a pizza is. You'd be surprised, wouldn't you? But uh, enchiladas, tamales, uh, uh, tacos... All the great, uh, all the great Mexican food is available at the Alamo. It's ironically named at the Alamo, wasn't that the? <laughs> I mean, but anyway, it's one forty, one forty-two West Forty-fourth Street in New York. Give them a try. The best chili in town. If they tell you not to buy a car because the times are tough. If they say you'll never find a deal that you'll find good enough. If they say a new car costs too much to put in your garage. Just tell them you know where they should go. Tell them to go to Dodge, 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 If anybody says you can't buy a good new car for less than $3,000, they haven't been to the Dodge Boys. Our Dodge Colt Coupe is priced at only $2,945, excluding taxes, destination, and dealer preparation charges. See how Dodge Colt puts so much in such a little car, from reclining bucket seats to tinted glass. And this little Colt can really stretch a gallon of gas. So if anyone says you can't get a good new car for less than $3,000, just tell them you know where they should go. Sing it, gang. Dodge, 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 Dodge. Silly. Okay, uh, how's your new car running, Jim? Not bad, huh? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll ask for an occasional check. And, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we have the uh, vitamin people here with us today. Again, Theragran and Theragran M. And uh, this is a squib vitamin. Uh, it says here that uh, you have no doubt about the honor or the integrity of the maker with the name squib on the label. And they're running a special here. You can buy 100 Theragran or Theragran M tablets at the regular price and get 30 extra. 
for a very limited time. So get in touch with uh, your local pharmacy and ask them about Theragran. They also have them at your department store drug section. And uh, let's do one more and then relax a bit, huh? Sing it out. Ron Union. This week, a grand buy is corn-fed USDA choice boneless beef bottom round or shoulder roast, $1.48 a pound. Plus, Grand Union has an Italian food festivalo with savings in every department. Progresso Italiano tomatoes, 35-ounce cans, 79 centimes, all good things. Viva Italiano. Bring it up there, Big. That's for Grand Union, of course. It's Okay, I've heard enough of that, gang. All right, okay. Now, let's get back to business here. Now, you're not going to believe this. I, I, the straw in the wind. And uh, it's back to straw in the wind time. And I'm putting this down on the record so we'll know what our time was like. Straws in the wind. Now, uh, I don't know how many of you out there sitting around are professional types. You know, professional men. And uh, almost every, in fact, every profession I ever heard of has a professional journal. I mean, you know, morticians. I get that. Yeah, it's a quarterly. It's really great. Haven't you seen it around here? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, they, I'll tell you some of the wildest cartoons I ever saw in my life are in the, uh, the morticians. <laughs> well, it's like Dr. Humor, you know. Uh, Dr. Humor is a little bit, runs a little bit that way, too. And, uh, of course, the doctors have their own professional. Your pilots, for example, have a professional journal. Sure, you know. You get, a, you get the monthly AOPA newsletter. All that official stuff comes in yellow envelopes, classified material. Very official. You know, it's all, all complaining all the time. Well, I'm laying this one on you this time, see? So uh, every, every outfit that I know of has a professional journal, right? You accept that. Uh, the professional gardeners, uh, uh, professional uh, tightrope walkers, they have a journal, you know, comparing different types of rope and stuff like that. And uh, sure, and, and, and uh, there's a, what is a professional journal? See, well, a professional journal uh, gives you hints and uh, kinks about your profession, keeps you alert to what's happening in the field, right? So a doctor wants to know. He may be a radiologist. He wants to know what's happening uh, in the field, so he gets the uh, AMA journal. He also gets the radiologist quarterly, and he reads about all this great stuff. Now, uh, these, these are very serious magazines, and uh, if you're a really serious professional, you want to keep up with it. Well, we have in hand right now, Jim, you won't believe it, the most exotic professional journal I have ever seen in my life. Look at that one. It's a fantastic, and it's a beautifully produced one, for starters. I mean, it looks a little bit like Time magazine. You know, they have the same layout with the red, jazzy-looking cover, beautiful four-color uh, photograph on the front there. And, uh, <laughs> but it's a great uh, professional magazine. So... Uh, I just thought you ought to know that the, that the professionals are getting into, uh, you know, they're getting organized. And what is this professional journal? What is it called? Well, it's really exciting. I have before me the spring 1975 issue uh, of a new journal called, uh, give me a little uh, echo chamber there, 
Soldier of Fortune, the journal of professional adventurers and mercenary soldiers. Wow, a professional journal for mercenary soldiers and professional types. Now, this isn't evil can evil. We're talking about <laughs> professional mercenaries. You know, you always hear uh, you always hear a report. You know, comes on the news late at night. Sometimes they say uh, that uh, mercenary soldiers uh, opened an attack in Zombo Bongo, and uh, 17 were killed. It is believed that a military coup is imminent. You know, wouldn't you? Has it occurred to you that these are professionals and they have a journal? Now, what kind of things do they discuss in their journal? Are you interested in it? Find out what they discuss. Well, you know, all good journals, for example, deal with new equipment. I mean, uh, my friend is a radiologist, and he loves to get the radiology quarterly because they have all kinds of new stuff, you know, described. For example, uh, we test the new brain scan equipment turned out by the JPIP laboratories. And, you know, they have it all charts and stuff. You want to know. You've got to keep up with the field, of course. Pilots, for example, are always, we test the new Rockwell 112 a complete fly-in test, including uh, navigational tests and so on. You've seen these, right, Jim? Okay. What do they test in the Soldier Fortune, the Journal of Professional Adventurers and Mercenary Soldiers? Well, in the, in the June, the spring 1975 issue, I'd love to uh, give, uh, you know, give this, uh, it's a little technical. I'd love to uh, read this entire article because it's really fascinating. Uh, it's a road test in the current issue. It says, evaluating our test evaluation of the Israeli .223 Galil assault rifle. I mean, uh, and they have uh, killing ranges. Uh, they, they discuss the various types of sight available. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? Uh, here, for example, uh, now that's a great test, road test. And here's another road test inside. It says, uh, uh, testing f the first test anywhere in the world. It says, First round kills at 900 meters. Read inside. Exciting tests. Well, I don't know how they tested that. They probably went out and got, uh, you know, volunteers. After all, there's a lot of people who will volunteer for anything. Uh, and uh, you want to hear some of the other great articles here. For example, underwater knife fighting techniques. Now, here's, uh, here's a description of that article. Now, wait just a minute. Uh, here it is. This issue contains that uh, underwater knife fighting techniques. And it's very exciting. Here's, uh, and remember, this is professional. This is not, uh, uh, you know, like Argosy uh, male adventure stuff. This is a professional piece. It says, your mission is to blow an NVA supply bridge across the Saigon River. As you swim through the murky water, you glimpse a shadowy form moving to intercept. You draw your knife, and the life-and-death battle begins. We show you how to win. Absolutely surefire professional techniques authored by a leading authority on knife fighting. Well, you know, this kind of stuff is, is very handy when you're in the trade. Uh, how about this one? Um, the freelance paramedic operations in Peru and Honduras. Vast opportunities. Disaster strikes. And freelance paramedics jump into desolated areas to save lives. How you can get a piece of the action. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's a little job there for you. Now, how about this one? Here's, a, here's an exciting piece here. Colonel, quote, mad Mike Hoare and his mercenaries attempt to invade Angola. Colonel Hoare of Congo fame planned to seize Angola. If his plans had gelled, a worldwide call for mercenaries would have gone out with salaries ranging from 1500 to $2,000 a month. A South African correspondent reveals how they failed and evaluates chances of future successes. 
and possible opportunities for mercenaries everywhere in the world. Well, you want to keep, you know, job opportunities are very important in any professional magazine. Do you agree? Absolutely. Now, here's, here's a nice article. I think you'd really enjoy this one. Uh, here's one. Listen to this one. Again, it's a road test. Uh, it's, it's an operational test. The Juris $3,500 Auto Mag, the most expensive sniper system in the world, but it's great. All right, you want to hear what it says? All right, listen to this. The ever-inventive L.E. Juris customizes his auto mag with shoulder stock and scope to produce a wicked, deadly handheld sniper system. Read about it here for the first time. A revealing inside look at the never-before-described equipment that is now available. You can own a long-range weapon system nearly identical to that used by the famed U.S. Army snipers in Vietnam. A combination of a civilian model of the M14 and the improved Leatherwood adjustable ranging telescope, statistics, characteristics, curves, and performance evaluations by a sniper expert. Wow. You don't hunt bunnies with that. <laughs> uh, by the way, the title of that, uh, that article is First Round Kills at 900 Meters. Well, let's see, 900 meters is uh, how many feet? Uh, three feet? That's, uh, that's about uh, 2,700 feet. It's about a half mile. That's pretty good zinging. I mean, I even say, you know, I <laughs> first round, one round, they said. <laughs> Zap. Well, uh, I thought you'd like to know that the uh, professionals are, are organizing everywhere. Here's a fine article. Flying F-4 Phantoms for the U.S. and Israel in clandestine operations. Big opportunity. There's plenty of dough to be made for a man that can fly an F-4 right. Right, uh, of course. <laughs> so, um... There it is. I thought I'd go on record there. Did you, did you like that? Thank you. That's tonight's strong win. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, I, I, uh, I, years ago on, a, on an LP that some of you may have, an old uh, comedy LP that I cut a long time ago, I predicted exactly that. I was announcing a new magazine on this thing. And this was about 10 years ago that I cut this LP. I was predicting, because of the way the world was going, actually it was cut about 1961, so it was a little longer than that. And on the LP, I predicted this by doing a bit. See, it was, a, it was supposed to be a PR man announcing a new magazine to a, an assembled uh, future group of advertisers. <laughs> and uh, the way he did it, a little echo chamber, please. Uh, men, we uh, are very pleased to uh, have you here today at this little cocktail party over here at the Four Whoopies. And uh, we hope you're enjoying your drinky poos, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed those little hors d'oeuvres. Uh, sir, that is backing up. That's <laughs> my little jokey. Uh, but uh, this is a very heavily endowed magazine, and we'd like you to... Uh, to uh, enjoy the first copy, which, by the way, is uh, being produced here for your enjoyment alone. Well, this is not yet on the newsstand. It will be very shortly, however, so the young ladies are now passing out among you with a new copy of our mail magazine, which I think is going to really get down to where the market is. Uh, this is the first magazine, actually, that comes out and says it like it is. Uh, even the name of the magazine, as you know, is Guts. Uh, the new mail magazine, which has done away with uh, old-fashioned things like pictures and words. We send you the real thing in every month that a man who is a subscriber to Guts uh, could very well uh, find himself in the middle of an exciting adventure as he opens the magazine itself. For example, we have planned 
one issue in which we have concealed in the lining a very specially made plastic 45 caliber automatic pistol which fires around at the actual reader as he opens the pages. Uh, it's one thing learning and reading about adventure and another thing to have one. Can't you imagine your ad right there in the middle of that magazine, a hard-hitting magazine, the man opens it up and boom! A 45 caliber slug whistles past his ear and buries itself in the wall behind him. He knows he has a hard-hitting magazine in his hands, and he'll never forget that issue. Uh, we also are taking advantage of uh, the current interest in sex. And our magazine doesn't just uh, send pictures. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I hesitate to tell you what is going to be contained in our Salute to Sex issue, which will be the second issue on the market. And so get in line, men. These ads are going to cost a lot more after we send out our campaign literature. When those subscriptions start coming in, we're giving you a special campaign Special deal here, $1,500 an inch now, in the new magazine called Guts. Let's hear it for the new magazine. Right. Oh, that was a great magazine. Before we go any further, <laughs> this is an authentic ad, gang. If you uh, are digging bicycles, if you're into the bike, uh, you know, if you're into the, uh, if you're into the, uh, the whole bicycle culture, in fact, they call it the cycle culture. They don't, uh, you don't refer to the bicycle. But uh, uh, we would suggest that you think Times Square stores, TSS. Uh, they proudly introduce Royce Union Spirit of 76 model. The sleek racer is one of the finest precision tool bicycles you can own. Uh, you know, every product in the world is getting on the, uh, on the Centennial bandwagon. Have you seen the, uh, the new blueprint plans for the new kosher salami? With the red, white, and blue skin, it's really beautiful. And you, yes, it's a, it comes. It's going to be announced the first of the year when we get into '76. It's going to be great. Uh, but uh, this bicycle is the spirit of '76, and it is red, white, and blue. See it now. Uh, the complete line of quality Royce Union bicycles, America's tough bike. Uh, see the TSS entire collection of famous make bicycles. They have 40 models in all, and uh, TSS Times Square stores. By the way, this uh, prices start, they're very rather reasonable, for quality 10-speeders start as low as uh, $69.99, assembled free at uh, Times Square stores in Queens, Brooklyn, and Long Island. They don't have one in Times Square, ironically. Open late every night. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I don't make the news, buddy. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> Okay, do you have another one in there? Hit it. You're looking for fun, come on into the sun, I'm Jennifer yeah, fly Jennifer. She's so cute. <laughs> fly Jennifer to Florida with National's No Round Trip Day Coach. Come on, get off my knee, honey. I'm reading the commercial here now. Miami, Fort Lauderdale is just $141. Orlando, St. Pete is $132. <laughs> She's cute there. All right. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, listen, uh, while we're on the subject here of... Uh, straws and wind. I also received a letter here. I, I promised that I would return to this letter, right? Uh, I received a letter here from a, uh, uh, in fact, he's in, the, he's in the dean's office of a famous college of uh, dental surgery. Yes. And I, I, I 
you know, I, I kind of appreciated that. It's a very official. It comes with the with the school uh, insignia on it, you know, set of bicuspids rampant on a uh, on a field of uh, Lavoris. It's very nice, yes. Uh, and it's uh, from the School of Dental Surgery. <laughs> and uh, he says, uh, Shepard, he said, I just have to tell you, he said that uh, everybody here at the dental school uh, really digs your show. We really listen to you. He says, there's something about your show. We cannot describe what it is, but it has a fantastic uh, impact, if I can use that phrase. Uh, he says, it has a fantastic impact on dental students and the people involved in dentistry, and we can't figure out why. And uh, it's signed here, and he's a you know doctor of dentistry and all that stuff. See, so I'll have to answer that question. That's a curious thing. What the dentistry, uh, what it has played in my career? Not uh, not dentistry performed on me, but dentistry as a field. I have never told you the story that I know of. Well, there is a reason for this empathy between the the Shepherd Show and dental students everywhere. I can't exactly say why it is, but there is a reason. And I will tell you how I first came aware into the awareness uh, cycle of this uh, problem here. You don't say just, you know, these days, you don't just simply say, uh, this is how I first heard about this. You say, this is how I first entered the awareness circle uh, or uh, the cycle. One doesn't just simply say something to his friend. One gives him input. One also gets output from a friend, right? Uh, You know, this is all called uh, uh, talk. Uh, (laughs) That's what we know uh, technically in the trade. However, uh, I, uh, you know, I was. Uh, there was a time when I was an innocent person. It's hard to believe there was a time when uh, I strode through life with eyes wide open and a great. Oh yes, Dave, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but there was a time. Oh yes, uh, I. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I made uh, uh, <laughs> I made Candide look like a rotten old crummy cynic. Oh, I believed everything, uh, absolutely everything, and uh, I I all I believed there were things called experts. Uh, there are those of you who probably still believe this, that there are experts. In fact, you're continually picking up a paper. I see them uh, on sale at the newsstands all the time. Expert says, UFOs cited. Who the hell is an expert in that? You know, But there's uh, an expert. People believe in these things. Gene Dixon is a favorite expert for a lot of people. See, So uh, <laughs> I believed in experts, and so I had just gotten out of the Army. So, you know, like you do, you go down to the VA, and uh, I went down to the VA there. See, I was going to go to college and all that stuff, and you sign up for VA benefits. I don't know whether many of you have done this. It was very exciting. See, so you go down there and you fill out the forms and stuff. And I'm sitting there with this VA advisor, and he's got all my records and stuff there, and he's writing little things down. Finally, he says, well, of course, fella, you realize that uh, you say that you're going to take this uh, college course in, uh, what is it, uh, it's a necromancy or something here you got written down. Uh, uh, are you sure that... Uh, you're you're actually uh, psychologically equipped to handle that. Uh, do you have any uh, any uh, particular uh, uh, abilities along that line? Well, you know, uh, I figure if I go to school, I learn how to do all that stuff. It's no, no, no. It's not quite that simple. One has to have what we call a a basic inbuilt. Uh, uh, well, it's not really. It's more than empathy. It's a basic inbuilt ability in those fields. It's a. Uh, it's uh, you. You must. You. You don't just go in and become a, a deep sea diver unless you have the proper requisites, which are mental, psychological, all the rest of this stuff. So before we can approve of this, you'll have to take our three-day course. It's actually a test. Our three-day vocational guidance test. 
And at the end of that, if you pass successfully in your field, uh, you will, of course, uh, go right on into the, the course. We'll approve of it. However, you'll have to take this test. Well, you know, I assume that these are experts, so they know all about it. So I said, okay. So he says, all right, you be here at 8 o'clock then, and you go to the testing, vocational testing room. And uh, he says, remember, you have to clear three days. It's going to be three days. And uh, it's a very, very thorough test, and we'll get right down to the bottom of your psyche, buddy. So, all right. I said, okay, advisor. He says, okay, uh, <laughs> soldier, <laughs> X. And so the next Monday I showed up there with all my ballpoint pens they told you to bring, and I had a suit and everything. I wanted to impress them. You know how whenever you take a test, you want to let them know that, uh, you know, if you come in wearing your earmuffs and it's July, right away that means something on a test. <laughs> so I came in, you know, I was all dressed up, and I sat down, and they passed out the test, and they had us all separated. You know, no, no, I'm not going to be cheating here. And there was a couple of ex-Marines and a couple of, you know, ex, uh, ex-dog faces. And there was a couple of ex-sailors there. You know, all those guys, guys with field jackets. So we started to take the test. Well, we took a test from about 8 o'clock in the morning to roughly 2 o'clock that afternoon. I mean, they gave us more stuff, see. And we had to fit little boxes. And they had a thing where you had a, had a, had a, they, they played a record. And you listened to the record. Yeah, it was all really complicated. Yeah, you had to write down, do you hear a beep or a whistle? Yeah, well, I, you know, uh, do you hear a buzz or do you call it a hum? Uh, very, oh, yeah, well, they were testing everything there, see, and uh, they, they did all that stuff. So the next day we came back in, and they gave us uh, things where they flashed little, we had our own little screen, and they would flash stuff, and you'd write down what you saw, you know, you'd see these blotches and stuff. Oh, really complicated. And then you had mechanical aptitude stuff. You had aptitude for mathematics, like uh, if a man uh, unloads 45 barrels of apples in seven hours and he decides to switch to oranges and he finds, you know, that kind of stuff. See, so I'm working all this stuff out and I think I'm doing real great. See, so I finish after three days of this and uh, he takes all the tests. And the next day uh, they called me in and they said, come on in for your evaluation by the expert. You will t- t- you're going to be uh, talking to Dr. Watanabe, who's a very official expert. And so I walk into the office, and I'm all dressed up, and Dr. Watanabe's sitting there. He's got a white coat, you know, just like in the, you know, the TV commercials for stuff that they stick false teeth in. You know, you've seen those guys. And he's sitting there very official, see, and he's got books all around him. And he says, ah, yes, yes, we are. Very interesting test. Very interesting, very uh, very interesting. We have uh, come to a conclusion here. Uh, I have to ask a few questions of you, please, first. Uh, first of all, your name is uh, Shepard Jean P. Of course you realize uh, the name J-E-A-N is a girl's name. He says, yes, doctor, it is. And I'm a girl. Well, that's very interesting. All right. Now, uh, what, uh, let's see. Uh, we have taken your tests. Uh, have you ever considered the following... Uh, fields of endeavor. You have a tremendous aptitude in this one field that we feel very strongly you must take. In fact, uh, here at the VA, we are only going to approve funds if you go into that field because you have an absolute natural identity with this field. Your apathy is extremely high. In fact, it's over 170% on a percentile scale of 0 to 100. We cannot understand how you got more than 100 on a 0 to 75. But nevertheless, you are a natural born dentist. As a matter of fact, you are so much a born dentist that this test will probably be used as a model exam for people in the dentistry school. You are just going to be a fantastic dentist. 
with the possible, it says here, you have a uh, particular aptitude in the fields of orthodontistry, where they put the wires in the mouth. I said, yes, is that a, a dentist? She says, that's correct. I was stunned. It never, it never occurred to me that I should be a dentist. I thought of a lot of other things, but never once did I think of being a dentist. In fact, if I ever thought of a dentist, it was, oh, wow, am I glad I'm not looking at some guy's mouth all day long, you know? So I enrolled in dentistry. I see, this is how innocent I was. I went down there, you know, I did. I, I, I went to Indiana, I enrolled in pre-dentistry. Did you know there's such a thing called pre dent I was a pre-dental student. We call it in the field pre-dent. <laughs> I call it a hell of a mess. But uh, nevertheless, for, for, for one and a half semesters, I would always sit down there in the, in the uh, cafeteria with the pre-dent students. And there were guys that believed in it. You know, the guys that looked like Bugs Bunny. You know, they really loved teeth, see? And they were talking how they could hardly wait to get a drill in their hand and all that stuff. Well, it was just by the skin of my teeth, if I may use that expression, that I escaped being a dentist. So there is a reason why those dental students, I radiate an aptitude for impacted wisdom teeth, gang. <laughs> this is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation. Yes, indeed, it certainly is. My George Shepard levels threat at Cleveland. Right out there, please. All right, please, please, that's it. Those people are very nervous. This provides them with the... Uh... There you go. <laughs> I'll give you a brass figure with a bronze oak leaf pump. You can tell me what it is that they used to say, children cry for it. And if you call up and say pot, I'll hit you right in the mouth. My big fat fist. What was it? Children cry for it. All right, come on. Gilby Gin? No, no, get out of here. Not the kids I know, or the kids you know. <laughs> oh, I did know one kid that used to mix wild turkey with his Ovaltine. But, uh, fantastic. It's the only Ovaltine uh, shaker mug that really flew. You know, those big fat turkey wings. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm looking in the... Uh, can you uh, hold it there just a minute there? You don't let it get it out of hand here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking in the phone book. I love to look at the phone book. To me, the phone book is my, is my favorite reading. See, I just sit and leaf it and... And uh, just read those great names and those great addresses. And I say, these are all my people. These are people who are contemporaries of the world in which we live. They're all my fellow 20th century men. Has it ever occurred to you that the phone book is going to be the ultimate class book of all of us? <laughs> and everybody's in, you know, anybody that can shake down that AT&T for one of those bad phones that sometimes works. There's not even an entrance exam. They don't take class pictures where you look a silly. 